Hello, hello, hello. How y'all doing? Awesome. Happy Memorial Day, and I, I'm just so excited to be here with you this weekend. If you're watching online, welcome, wherever you're at, maybe at Starbucks or your living room, whatever you're doing, thanks for tuning in with us here at Northridge. Um, I'm pumped for this talk. Uh, I think it has the potential to um, kind of launch you into one of the greatest summers that you've had in probably a long, long time. But one thing you need to know about me first is I love movies. Uh, how many of you are like me and you just love movies? Yeah, you can clap for that. Yay, movies. One of my favorite hobbies is going to the theater, but one genre I do not like, and maybe we can relate in this, one genre I hate is the scary thriller drama, uh, the genre. How many of you are like me, you hate scary movies? Any thrillers you just stay away from? Yeah, how many of you actually like the scary thriller type? Yep, okay. I, I, I don't get you. I don't understand you. You and I probably won't hang out. But I hate it. I watched a scary movie once, and I you know, slept with the light on for three weeks, and it, it was in college. And so I really, really hate scary, scary movies. But there was a movie in uh, 2004, way back in the day, called Final Cut, which, starring Robin Williams. And I don't know if you've seen this. Anyone seen the movie Final Cut? Starring, yep, it's about how well it did in the theaters. Uh, it's, it, it wasn't very popular, but the premise of the movie, I think, is going to set this talk up really, really nicely. So I want to tell you about it. It's set in the future, and so you have the opportunity when you have a kid to implant a chip in their brain or their head or whatever, and it in, uh, the chip records audio and video of their entire life. And so uh, at the end of their lives, uh, these editors, these, you know, final cut editors uh, get the chip and their only job is to create what we're going to call a highlight reel of that person's life so that at the funeral everyone can watch a documentary of that person's life. It seems interesting, right? Of course, it's a thriller, so like someone dies and you're like, the editor, Robin Williams, is tasked with editing this guy's life and he, re he finds out all the dirty secrets, he was a killer, or, you know, he murdered people. He, you know, stole stuff, abused people, and all that stuff, and he's supposed to edit all that out, and of course, drama ensues, and I didn't watch the movie, so I don't know what else happens, but uh, you can if you want to. I'm not condoning it by any means, but the premise was so interesting to me. What if that happened today? What if you and I had a chip in our brains that recorded audio and video of everything we've said and done? Yikes. There are some things, personally, when I started, you know, brainstorming about this highlight reel idea, there are some things that I knew right away that I did not want in my highlight reel. You know, isn't that the same for you? Nod your head, yes. Yeah, there are some things that you do not want in your highlight reel, if there ever was such thing as a highlight reel. And then there are some things that you would want in your highlight reel. Nod your head, yes. Yeah, you're thinking of some things right now that you would want to include in your highlight reel. I want to do a short little exercise, and it involves the card in your program. If you're watching online, I don't know what you're going to do because you don't have one of these. Simply open up a Word document, you know, do something. But this card says 2008 to 2013, and it'll be on the screens if you didn't get one of these. That's okay. But what I want you to do, we're going to spend 60 seconds, and I want you to kind of summarize the past five years of your life from 2008 to 2013. Put some highlights what you want to be remembered by from 2008 to 2013. So we're going to play some music, and you have 60 seconds.
Y'all play along? Raise your hand if you played along with our little exercise. Great. The others of you are not cool. Um, I hope you played along. If not, you can do this later. But uh, my highlight reel, 2008 to 2013, it would include, I was 24 in 2008, so if you can't do math, I'm 29 now. But it, it, it would include a lot of vacations and a lot of friendships. And, you know, I've been here for seven years at Northridge, so all the five years would have been awesomeness at Northridge. And so yours probably included a lot of fun things that bring happiness and satisfaction and just, uh, just you know, your heart is glad when you remember these things. But I have a hunch that you uh, thought some stuff, as did I, that you did not write on your card. Uh, because those are the things that when you think about them, they bring regret. When you look back five years, you're like, ah, why in the world did I do that? Why in the world did I say that? And whether the decision was good and it ended up on your card or whether your decision was bad and it didn't end up on your card, there was a principle, an underlying principle behind every decision you've ever made and I've ever made. If you made a good decision, this principle was at work. If you made a bad decision, this principle was at work. And the principle, it's going to seem simple, but it's so profound, is this. You end up where you're going, not where you intend to go. You end up where you're going, not where you intend to go. Another way of saying it, I've heard it said this way, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. That where you're going, not necessarily where you intend to go, but where you're going is where you're going to end up. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. So we see this in simple things and silly things, like if you wanted to go to Florida, I went to Florida a couple weeks ago. It's fantastic, Cocoa Beach. We drove. My family's insane. But we went to Florida, and we, uh, we had every intention of going to Florida, but if we got on I-75 north, we wouldn't end up in Florida. You know? We, we would end up up north. Um, Health-wise, if you... Say you had every intention to lose five pounds by the beginning of summer. You're like, I'm going to do it. And yet you don't put down the Moose Tracks ice cream. You will not lose five pounds before the end of the summer. Now, I say Moose Tracks ice cream because that's my vice, and I have the microphone. You, ha- you may have a different vice. I don't know what it is, but you may have every intention to do something, but if you don't enact actions to do it, you will not do it. It's your direction, not your intention that determines where you end up. And, you know, those are silly examples, but I think if we thought long and hard about it, we would, uh, we would see some underlying deeper things that could affect our lives even greater, that when we look five years down the road, we have intentions of where we want to end up. We have things we want our family to do. We have things we want our business, we have ways that we want our business to run. But there are certain highlight traps, is what I'm going to call them. There are certain things that if we fall into these traps our highlight reel is going to be sabotaged, no matter what our intentions are for our life. If we do these things, we're going to end up somewhere we did not intend. And so I want to talk about these highlight traps. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. It says this, um, living for now rather than later. That's a highlight trap. Living for now rather than later. 
it's, it's the trap that we make decisions for today, and when we think about it, we only think about today. We don't think about tomorrow. It's financially speaking, you look at your bank account, and you're like, wow, look at all that money. That's incredible. But you don't know that you have bills due in three days, and you spend all your money because you're thinking about today. Now, it's a silly example, but some of you do that. I've done that before. I get it. It's living for now rather than today. In your business, it's making choices that only affect the now, not thinking of the future. It's choosing in the moment. It's, it, it, you, have, you may have every intention to stay pure until marriage. You want to save sex for marriage. It sounds good. It's a bumper sticker saying. But then when you get in the moment, you, you throw away the future integrity of your marriage for the momentary pleasure. And it's living for the now rather than the later. It's a highlight trap. When in your life have you done this? I know I've done this. When in your life have you lived for the now rather than the later? Number two, live for the acceptance of others. It's a highlight trap if you're living for the acceptance of others. This plays out in my mind uh, in situational morals. Situational morals. And here's what that looks like. You're different around different people. So when I was in middle school, I, I, I swore a lot. Uh, it ended up being where I was, the group I wanted to be accepted by, you know, used curse words a lot. So if I wanted to hang out with that group, I would just, I would just swear. You know, my mom uh, came to church this weekend and she didn't know that. And so we had a conversation about that. But I would, you know, I, I would come to that circle of friends. You'd be like, what up, beep, beep, beep. And they'd be like, beep, 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 beep. And it was not a good thing. But I was smart about it because when I went home, I didn't swear. Are you kidding me? My mom would, like, I don't know what she would do. I did say one bad word one time, and um, that day I tasted soap. And so I learned not to say, you know, that, you know, those words. But I had my friends at school, and I was one way. I had my family, and I was a, another way. And I had my church friends that I went to church. I had a youth group, you know, in eighth grade, and I went to church, and I wanted to act a certain ray, way so they would accept me. And it's this syndrome that you're living for the acceptance of others. Uh, I, I love The Voice, the TV show The Voice. Anyone watch The Voice in the room? Yeah, okay, got some fans. Um, but I love the auditions of The Voice. The Voice, if you don't know, is a singing show, and it's a competition where you compete to be the winner of The Voice, and you know everyone loves your voice, they buy your albums, blah, 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 blah. But the audition process is my favorite because a singer will get up on stage and they'll be singing in front of the four judges, but the four judges' backs are turned to them. And so the judges cannot see who's singing. They are judging solely on the voice, which is why the show is called The Voice. And so the judges hear the voice. They're like, well, should I, you know, do I like the voice? Do I like that? You know, and all those things they're thinking of. And if they like it, they press a button on their chair, and the chair turns around, lights up, and the fans go crazy. And what that means, the chair turn, what that means is, I think you're good enough. I think you can make it on this show, and I want you on my team. That's what that means. If you'll allow me to use the analogy, I think a lot of us, me included, live our lives like we're performing in front of people, and we want them so badly to press a button, turn a chair, and say that we're acceptable, that we're worth it, and validate us as people. And we do that with different groups of people. You go to work and you want so badly for them to accept you, so you do whatever they tell you to do. You say things that you would not normally say. You do things you wouldn't normally do, all because you're living for the acceptance of others. It's a highlight trap. And if we fall into that, then it's going to damage the highlight reel. 
In five years, you're going to look back and you're going to regret a lot of the decisions you've made. So not only is living for now rather than later a highlight trap, living for the acceptance of others, number three, repeating other people's mistakes and, and expecting different results. Repeating other people's mistakes and expecting different results. If you don't want to write all those words, you can just write uh, these three words, definition of insanity. Because that's what it is, right? You do things over and over and over and over and over expecting different results. And it doesn't work that way. This is played out in thinking you're immune to the consequences. That he stole something and he got caught, but I am so much more smart than him, and so I will not get caught. She got caught in the affair, but she was a mess anyway, and she just doesn't have it together. I'm more sophisticated than her. I won't get caught. You know, they were embezzling money, but they're dumb. I am smart. I can do it and not get caught. As a pastor, we are, uh, we're more visible than the average person. And so this one rings true to me, and I've had to struggle through this one uh, for a lot of years because, because we're more visible, because we have a microphone, we can begin to trick ourselves into thinking that we're immune. That we're invincible. And all it takes for me, all it takes is, it, it, is a news article. Or, or uh, I watch the news and uh, a prominent leader, whether it be a Christian leader, whether it be a political leader or a community leader or whatever, a prominent leader who we think has it all together. Uh, the, uh, the glass cracks and the bottom falls out and then we see, oh, what, where did that come from? And they, they're caught in a scandal. Or they, they do something that we're all like, what? Where did that come from? And we thought, and they thought, they bought into the highlight trap, that their, their actions didn't have consequences. That, that they could do what others did, but they, did, uh, they wouldn't experience the consequences that others experienced. So this is a highlight trap that we could fall into. It's the ultimate contradiction, if you ask me. We intend one thing to happen. We want to look back five years, and we want to see this highlight reel that we can be proud of. We want to be like, wow, look at that. All the decisions I made, I'm proud of. But yet, daily, we choose to sabotage that highlight reel. It's the ultimate contradiction if there ever was one. And if we don't understand this, if we don't grasp this concept, if we don't understand the principle that we're talking about, then we're going to be subject to the principle. The principle is going to play out. You're going to end up somewhere. But when, you're gonna, when you end up there, you're going to look back, and it will not be what you've intended. You'll be stuck in the addiction. You'll treat your family the same. Your marriage is just going to be the same as it is now because you chose to live for the now, the immediate, and become annoyed and less patient rather than working on your marriage every day so that in five years you're more patient and less annoyed. And so all these things we need to grasp. I mean, we, we settle when we could uh, choose a greater, greater life. I want to check up what the Bible has to say about this, because believe it or not, this is not the first time people have dealt with this. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Galatians, he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia, and so brilliantly he calls the book Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this, and I think we'll gain some insight from these words. It says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will, say it with me, what's the word? You will always Harvest what you plant. The Greek word for always is very complex. It means always. Verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, that is, those who live for the now rather than the later, those who live for the acceptance of others, those who live in such a way that they don't think consequences 
relate to them. Those people will harvest, what will they harvest? Say it with me. Decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, those who know God's commands and follow God's commands, those people will harvest, what is it? Everlasting life. Yeah, from the Spirit. The Apostle Paul was talking to a a group of people that were a bunch of farmers. And so they would have been nodding their head, absolutely. Yeah, you reap what you sow, you harvest what you plant. I am tracking with you, Paul. And then Paul takes a turn, doesn't he? He takes a turn and says, well, the same is true in your life. And so I'm going to ask you, when's the last time you, you took a look of, you know, what you were planting in your life? You may have harvested some stuff, and you're like, where did this come from? Well, you just need to look back a few years and say, okay, oh, okay, well, I made that decision, and that decision, and that decision, and I shouldn't be surprised that I'm harvesting this, because all those decisions lined up together created this. The main idea for today, and if you fall asleep after this, that's cool, because this is what I want you to grasp, is this. The choices that you make today determine the highlight reel you'll watch tomorrow. It's as simple as that. The choices you're making today, tomorrow you're going to be looking back at today and be like, well, that's a summary of yesterday. The choices you make today determine the highlight reel you watch tomorrow. That's why I love the song that we sang uh, before we came out, you know, Live Like You're Dying by Chris Allen. It's such a catchy tune. You'll have it in your head all week. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's so true. We need to live every day as if a highlight reel is being made. We need to live every day as if there's a chip and audio and video is being recorded. I want to give you some, some steps, some four steps that I think could help you. Now, I know, I know, I know. Life is not lived in steps. You don't wake up and be like, step one. You know, it's just not how we live. But these are things that could help you, and by the end of it, all I want you to do is choose one. All right, so I'm going to give you four things. Choose one to work on. Number one, choose to focus on Jesus. Choose to focus on Jesus. Let's look at Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. It's so clear. Paul's writing to the book Uh, or to the church in Colossae. He says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He goes further. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so Paul knew that our tendency is to focus on the wrong things. And so he goes, come on, come on. Bring it in, bring it in. Huddle time, huddle time. You need to focus on the right thing. You need to focus on Jesus. Don't look around at your circumstances because your circumstances change daily. We need to focus above. We need to focus above the circumstance. You need to focus on Jesus. When you focus on Jesus, it allows you to live in light of eternity rather than living only for the now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says this. But seek, what's the word? First. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. Now, all that means is seek first God's way of living. Live God's way. Seek first his way of living, and all these things will be given to you as well. Whether you're a Christian in the room or whether you're not a Christian in the room, we have all experienced, whether through a friend or whether through our own experiences, we've all experienced what it's like to take matters into our own hands. I know I have. And when we do that, when we take our focus off of what it should be, We are left on our own. We're left to our own efforts. We're left 
to living our lives in our own strength. And I don't know if you've experienced this, maybe you've seen someone, but when we do that, when I do that, when you do that, the bottom oftentimes falls out and we're left just empty and in a mess. That's what happens so many times when we take life into our own hands, when we think we can do it on our own. And, but the beauty of the gospel of Jesus is this, and this is, this is huge. The beauty of Jesus is that in that moment of our failure, he, he swoops in and says, that's okay, that's why I came. I lived a perfect life so you wouldn't have to be perfect. I, I died a perfect death so that when I rose again to life, you could latch on to my life and choose everlasting life because I did it for you. And so if you're tired of living on your own and living in your own mess and having to put on the face of strength, even though you're dying on the inside, why not choose Jesus? And if you've never made that choice, if you're not a Christian in the room, you, wouldn't, you would say that you don't believe in Jesus. Why not today? You've tried it on your own. It doesn't work. I want to give you an opportunity. There are three more points, but I want to give you an opportunity, if you haven't, to choose Jesus. And so if you could, bow your heads, close your eyes. In this moment, if, if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone focused, everyone respecting this moment, if that's you, and you're ready to choose Jesus, you're ready to submit to Jesus, then just silently in your own mind, pray this prayer. Just say, God, I believe that Jesus is the ultimate solution for my life. I believe he came down to this earth. I believe he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for my sins, everything I've done wrong. And he rose again to life, proving once and for all that, that my sins can be forgiven and I could have a home in heaven. And so right now I choose Jesus. I receive him. I want to live his way, not mine. I give it all to him. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that and you're here at one of our live campuses, then you could just fill out this card. It's a connection card in our program. Check the box that said, today I prayed to receive Jesus for the first time. We want to send you some info on how you can grow in that relationship. It's a personal decision, but it was never meant to be a private one. Let us know. We want to celebrate you. If you're watching online, click the What Next button, and uh, we'll send you the same info. It's an amazing decision that you've just made. But there's other stuff. Now that you have Jesus, now that you're connected to Jesus, there, there are other steps. Number two, choose the right brain food. We need to choose the right brain food. Our pastor, Brad, spoke on this a couple months ago, and I thought it was brilliant. And so I thought I'd bring it up again, because we need so many reminders about this. Check out Philippians 4.8. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. His book titles are brilliant, right? Philippians. Anyway, chapter four, verse eight, here it is. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What a list. How you doing on that list? Wow, that's intense. He says, God, if you want to live the best life possible, you need to moderate what goes in your brain and what comes out of your brain. You need to think about the right things. We need to choose the right brain food. Uh, I've, I've never been one to kind of get in the club scene. I just never have done that. But one thing I love about them is the bouncers. Bouncers are sweet in my mind. They're like, they get paid to work out and they get to tell people no all the time. And so I think they're, I just think they're cool. And if you're a bouncer, let's become friends. But bouncers are cool, and what I tell my middle school students all the time in the underground is this. We need to hire a bouncer for our brain. 
We need to, I mean, go with me, come on. We need to hire a bouncer. Think of your brain, well, not as a club. Some of your brains are like clubs, I'm, I'm not sure. We need to think of your brain as just like a gated community, and you just put a bouncer right there, big guy, like, big guy, like, boom. And his main job is to, when a negative thought comes, to beat the living crap out of that thought and send it home and never to return again. Like, that's, that's his main, and then his other main job is to, when a good thought, positive thought, helpful thought comes in to, like, you know, unlatch the thing and let, let the thought in, and then, you know, you latch it back up because you need to guard your mind. That's what Paul is saying. Think about the right things. It's a silly illustration, but tomorrow you're, you're going to remember. Bouncer in the brain. You're going to remember that. Bouncer in the brain. So not only do we need to choose Jesus as our focus, not only do we need to choose the right brain food, number three, we need to choose the right disciplines. You need to choose the right disciplines. Check out Hebrews 12, verse 10 through 11. It says this. For our earthly fathers, our dads, disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. Of course. But God's discipline is, what's the word? What is it? Always good for us. Always. It never fails. So that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. If you write in your Bible, just write in the margin there, duh. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Duh. It's painful. Yeah. But, what's the word? But afterward. Not immediately. Afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest, there's that word again, of right living for those who are trained in this way. I think of an athlete. I think of an athlete training for the, for the Olympics. Four years of training. Every day he wakes up, he has to make the choice to not give up the training. But I bet you when he wins gold or she wins gold, in their mind they're thinking, yeah, it's worth it. We need to discipline our lives. You need to create some disciplines uh, financially, so that when you watch your highlight reel, you'll be like, yep, so glad I did that. You, we need to create some discipline physically, so that when we watch our highlight reel, we'll be like, yep, sure glad I did that. And we need to discipline ourselves spiritually, so that when we watch our highlight reel, we'll be so glad that we chose the things we did. You need to start reading your Bible more. I need to start re- reading my Bible more. We need to discipline ourselves. There's a, a, an app, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, called Version. It's a Bible app, so search Bible and you'll find it. But it has, an, it, it has tons of devotionals. It's got tons of translations of the Bible. It's got everything. If you don't have it, it's also uversion.com. You probably have internet access. You have all of it there. And it, it, it'll even send you a reminder saying, hey, don't forget to read your devotional today. Oh, okay, cool. We need to discipline ourselves. It's the only way to create a highlight reel that we'll actually enjoy watching. Number four, choose to get better every day. Choose to get better every day. There are moments that you and I are going to fail. But as our pastor says all the time, failure is not final. Your failure and my failure is not the end. Your book is still being written. It's not final. We need to get up every day and choose to get better. God's mercies are new every single day. That's what the Bible says. And all that means is every day when you wake up, you have a new opportunity to choose God's commands and God's ways. Every single day. 
How cool is that? I want to read a verse that's probably the most intriguing verse in the Bible in my mind. It says this, Luke 2, 52, reads this. Jesus, what's the word? Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. It's interesting to me that the Son of God, who is perfect in every way, fully God, fully man, perfect, he chose to submit himself to growth. Every day, he chose to grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and with men. We need to put a, a pull a page out of his book, and we need to choose every day to get better. We need to choose to grow. I want to end kind of the same way we started. This card has a back to it, and it has 2013 to question mark, because no one knows how long they have. Yeah, we talk about the next five years, but truth is, we don't know. And so that's why we put a question mark. But what I want you to do is kind of a homework assignment. We're not going to check up on you, but, you know, do it. What, I'm, what I want you to do is just think about your highlight reel. What do you want to include in your highlight reel? Write those down, and then every day choose not to sabotage your highlight reel. Choose things that will actually make these a reality. The choices that you make today will determine the highlight reel you watch tomorrow. The question is, are you making the choices today to do that? I pray that you do. I pray that you will. And I pray that you are. Have an amazing Memorial Day weekend, and we'll see you guys next time.